What's up, everybody? This is Ace of Next Fan Ben. Welcome back to the Pirate CSG podcast. This is the next part of the interview with the amazing game designer Mike Mulvihill. And you can find all the resources and whatnot that we talked about in the description below. And please consider also checking out the eBay affiliate link in the description uh, to help support my content and everything I do to try to keep this game alive. Thanks for listening, and let's get to the episode. We'll get to the next question. I know this one is pretty specific to maybe the art team. Um, and I can still ask Shane or Kian about it. Um, I don't know what happened with the Caribbean set ship artwork. A few of them. This is not a bash. I'm just, we're just curious. The community is just curious. I've been curious about this for years about um, HMS Endeavor and HMS Dauntless and a few other ships from the Caribbean set. They look like remarkably different than um, how they appeared in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, like the Endeavor has a, uh, like these beat up sales. I understand if it's after the Pearl, the black Pearl and a flying Dutchman, like ravaged her, but she has only like one gun deck versus three, things like that. Um, then the Dauntless has like this blue stripe through the sails, but it's kind of curious. I don't know. But yeah, no um, worries. Yeah, I can ask. There, there are a couple. So, I mean, here's the thing that you need to understand about how this works. And that is, um, that may not have been us. That may have very much been Disney. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that that they could be because some of these some of the sailing ships that they used are actual real ships that they used, and those ships are owned by people, yeah. and so and so that we don't have to. So Disney doesn't have to pay royalties huh. to this company that owns oh. this ship. They told us to make the ship look different. Okay. Now I can't remember That's... in this specific case. But I work with Disney every day, and that could be very much the case. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so it's not so much a uh, a you know, and I, I I'm telling you this as I'm not uh, as a person who's literally not remembering. Yeah. But we would not have taken liberties with Disney property mm-hmm. unless we were asked to by Disney. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and it's yeah, also the reason yeah. too why some of the I thought you were going to ask about the character art, not the ship art, which is funny, because in <laughs> some cases, um, if it was a person that Disney did not have a likeness rights with or had a generic rights with, we could use the shot from the film, a movie shot. Yeah. But if it was somebody that they did have likeness rights with, they had to get approved. That person also had to approve it, and so a way to mitigate that if you will is to do a a a, a paint over of them so on some of the characters that look way more painted than photoed it's because uh, it was again we were we were told you should probably if you want to get this approved do a painting likeness it's a lot easier um than do a photo likeness which is a lot harder yeah fascinating yeah, that's really so. But that's that's all licensed work, and I would not be able to tell you at this day and age what license Robinsburg, or excuse me, what license WizKids had to do this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially no with the idea too that when we were doing this set, a fourth film hadn't been announced. True. So for all practical purposes, under Disney's aegis, it was probably the the license was over. And so that also triggers a whole set of different rules and regulations. So I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say, I'm, you know, I don't make it sound like I'm trying to defend the art team or 
justify what an art what an artist may have done. I'm just trying to tell you that mm -hmm. from a uh, from a IP standpoint, there are a lot of moving parts. Yeah, that makes so. sense. That's really fascinating because HMS Interceptor in the set was also kind of represented strangely. She has like multiple gun decks, whereas in the movie she has one. But even weirder because I was just on the ship, the Lady Washington that portrayed the ship in the movie. I just went on like right. a day sail with her. I I had I had been on board that ship the day we met in August. So that's really wild to hear about how like maybe the, the owner of that ship, the real life owner, may have been part of the reason that the ship was represented differently in the set. Wow. Hmm. Cool. Um and then this might, I mean, this kind of ties in the next question. Uh, did you consider making some of the pirates in the Pirates of the Caribbean set originate from the cursed faction instead, such as Davy Jones? We didn't have one at that time. We didn't think of the cursed faction um, uh, until. Okay. Oh, wait, think, no, is that yeah. in that Davy Jones set? Yeah, Davy Jones' curse was the sixth set, so it came out before. Oh, right, right, right. That's, I was thinking of the one that came out way later. Um, yeah. Um, did we have like regular, like, like make now we like do like two different versions of will for instance or something like that um there's different abilities but they're still both pirate faction um yeah here was the, here so the the again um i think some fans just wanted like db jones to be cursed instead of pirate and then same for like the undead crew or like the skeletal crew stuff like that I don't know if Disney over over like overrid that or what because it's only yeah that set only has two factions English and pirates but it could have included the cursed I think would have made sense and then even like Mistress Ching would have been like Jade Rebellion from you know like the faction from South China Seas I mean it makes some sense make in the Davy Jones curse in the J Davy Jones set so. Like Captain Davy Jones is pirate instead of cursed in the Caribbean set. Like the movie version of Jones um is is pirate. But it still feels like he should be cursed, especially because he's like an antagonist to the pirates in the movie. Um so it's just kind of an interesting like flavor decision that uh some people theorize that it was sent a screenshot of Jones, Captain Davy Jones, but some people theorize that uh, they did that because if they if they hadn't done it, the curse would be really weak in that set. Like they'd only have like ten or fifteen game pieces, but they they could have filled it out a bit more. So, okay, you're confusing me in two things. You keep yeah. saying they, and I'm they. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> It'll, so that, or Disney. So I'm, I'm confused when you say they because I'm like, who are you talking about? Well, it could well it could be Disney if they they like overrode your choices or whatever, like your original ideas for the set, and then they said no. I'm just not sure if that happened or not. Um. Yeah, I'm looking at your Davy Jones. Oh, I got the Davy Jones list right here. It's fine if the details are lost to time. I I don't curious. I I don't recall. Yeah. My understanding was that i i remember adding the curse set the curse characters mm -hmm. at a later time again to make that um um ip style thing yeah so the davy jones 
Oh, I'm looking at the wrong set. That's why. Uh, and they didn't have anybody cursed in the movie, so we couldn't use it then. We had to use pirate. I do remember that, that everybody was either a pirate or British in the movie. Um, it kind of stinks. If we would have waited the fourth movie, we would have been able to get the Spanish in there, but what, what are you going to do? Hmm. Or, yeah. There's, um, but yeah, they there was no cursed in that set. No one was listed as cursed. Uh, when we did uh, our own version, uh, the Davy Jones set, then we were able to add the cursed yeah. team. Okay. Yeah, so we don't that know if it. it was Disney or something else that played a role. Uh, did, I don't remember. They would yeah. never, most likely, never. I mean, I don't know. Back then, they may have allowed it, but they they yeah. they. they they didn't see him as two different factions. The okay. pirates were the pirates, and the English were the English, and that was it. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Okay. Cool. Um, and then, did you happen to be involved in on any of the legal or IP discussions on the Pirates of the Caribbean set beyond that that meeting with Michael Eisner and stuff like that? Uh, on the IP part, no. I mean, like I said, I told you that you know, basically, he said that's the direction and then we started to try to move in that direction therefore creating like i said like the cursed faction then came out of that like you know basically when doing like ip generation like this we had to make the calls that you basically stated earlier which is okay we need to cut as many historical people out because we don't know what baggage they hold and tie us down to somebody else's storyline you know no one wants to do oh you know what captain morgan is going to be in our ip and then somebody comes out with a captain morgan movie because we can't own him you know so it was it's ip is funny because it's all about what you can own for as long as possible (laughs) and so so therefore then things like saying hey well we take davy jones and we can make him a cursed guy in our set because he's evil that's a different davy jones in theory than disney's davy jones and in reality when it's all said and done we're both based on a, a fable so you know we could we could uh as long as ours was totally different we can do it, and he's not technically real. Like Captain Morgan would have been real. You can't really own a real guy. And so um, the biggest discussions were what shifts would we make to make this a uh, reality? And then we had a world of pirates that was historically set in the sense that we created a world, like I said, a world of pirates. So we had that. That was something nobody else had. Nobody else had the... Uh, the the factions that we had mixing with the factions from around the world and then now mixing with this occult faction and you know the various sea monsters and the that kind of stuff so we were able to create quickly a, a base but we had no we had no we only had a base we didn't have tendrils that would say okay well, what direction should we go in so when we said well we could take this whole cursed idea because this is where as you said eloquently earlier you know things were going in that direction now maybe we can make new characters and new and and new storylines based off these we can pull in our own characters from earlier sets like jack hawkins and and uh a couple of other characters and and um and 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 start to use them in in new interesting ways is you know and do that kind of stuff but that we were we were at the you know first salvos of that we did not do that i don't know any there was no legal anything 
when in the case of creating an IP, other than what we were asked to do was try to create one and to remember certain criterion, uh, like no, you know, like reduce the amount of historical characters. We could make up a guy. We could call him Captain uh, Borgen <laughs> and do everything that Captain Morgan does. But we're not. We we can literally say. He's not Captain Morgan. He's Captain Morgan, and he does these things in, in within our universe, and and get away with it. Yeah. But we hadn't even got that far. We got to like, how do we? We have a ground zero. Where should we build our ground zero on? Again, like you said, that the curse thing was very becoming very popular. This kind of, uh, you know, what world are we between the living and the dead and the whole nine yards lost and all kinds of stuff. And so we were like, okay, well, that seems, let's double down on that and let's do some places that are not, don't exist in the, in the physical geography so that we own some places, you know, yeah. Yeah. as well as the sea, you know, we can always call it the sea, yeah. you know, you'll note that in Pirates of the Caribbean, they never say the word Caribbean. They never say things. They talk about things in grand, you know, South, South Atlantic, the, you know, the island, you know, the, the, the islands all have made up names. There's no, you know, Isle of Death. There's no, you know, Skull of This. You know, there's, you know, those are all war names that Disney made up so they don't have to worry about placing it anywhere real, you know. And so that's the, that was the next step for us was let's make up some new things. Let's make up some some characters for every all of our factions that we can use as both the hero and villain, if you will, of those factions, the good guy and the bad guy, just because they're in the same faction, they can have totally different mindsets. Yep. And, you know, that was like, that was real early. At that point, I was working on, uh, the, uh, you know, that was the real early process. I have no idea if they even followed up with it. It's looking at the names of the sets after us. It sounds like they were going to double down on it because they had... Uh, yeah. Savage Shores, and that was, you know, um, you know, uh, you know. So they were looking as if they were trying to create a that as well and continue that thought process. But I, I don't know because I was not a part of it after that. Yep. Um, yeah, makes sense. Awesome. Uh, was anyone from Disney involved in the game piece creation and design elements of the Pirates of the Caribbean set? Like no, Disney does. Disney does not do that. Yeah, <laughs> they approve. They approve what you did. They don't make what you do. That's the mm -hmm. reason they hire you. <laughs> yep. Um. So what we would, what I would do is, I went through the films. Oh my god, I watched a film. So it's what I do every day. I just watch film of stuff over and over, same stuff over and over. I picked out all the characters. We really, what the biggest problem with that one was because it was only two sets of of characters. We needed a lot of, like, and we couldn't do like. Canyoneer, you know, or, or those things. We can yeah. name somebody, we can give somebody that title or that power, but we couldn't just do our own generic artwork. So I had to find characters. That was the hardest part. I remember yeah. ending up trying to figure out how to get the characters, the two. So, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the uh, uh Chow Young Fetch or uh, um, oh, South Fang. Uh, Sal Fang. Yep. He's got the two girls. Yep. Uh, two pirate girls that are in his movie. I'm looking for to see if I can find their name in the Yeah, Leon and Park should be the two. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. So there's no there's no images of them. So I had to take the picture from the I had to like this Screenshot. is really old school. I had to <laughs> 
freeze the film on my computer <laughs> and so and kept doing it back and forth so I can get one that wasn't all like you know half full of movement yeah, and then cut so. it like screen screen cut you know on my computer and then you know put it in a thing and go I hope they know who this is you know and I put the name and where they're in and the the like a lot of times if I took a uh, an image directly from the movie I'd put the timestamp on it as well and so but it was like you know, knock on wood that they'll take this, you know, and, um, you know, the fact that they, you know, allowed us to put both of them in there. It was just, it just made us the math easier for crew. <laughs> you know, they don't, I don't think they have any powers per se, but it was, uh, uh, you know, they don't have any personality, I guess I should say. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like the best, not some of the better crew or anything. So interesting. That's really cool. Uh, moving on to the Rise of the Fiend set, this one might be kind of esoteric, but I don't know if you know what happened to some of the game pieces that fell out of the, the end of that set. They were like mega card, like the the double card, um, some of the bigger ships or some of the sea creatures and stuff like that. And then some of them appeared in later sets, but Ocho Brazo was one. It was like an octopus kraken that never appeared in a later set, so I'm not sure if you were, I know you were on the way out. It was kids at that point. I don't know if you know what happened to some of those. I don't, I actually don't. I would have said, I think my guess was, and I don't feel like I'm blowing smoke here and making it sound like I'm huge and everybody, but I left at, I thought I, um, my feeling was I did rise of the fiends. I may have, I may have done, the first full pass of it mm-hmm. and then like i said a lot of times after the fact marketing don't come in and want stuff and my feeling would be those ships may have been part of a marketing plan that now that I, after i left and uh kelly was taking over and um uh that it they they just moved removed them because the marketing team couldn't they couldn't figure out how to get it all done yeah. without without somebody who'd been running the ship so to speak uh all that time uh, but that's just me guessing at this point. I don't have any any sense for it. anything that would have been a big ship like that or a larger size thing would have been outside like the booster pack. You know, yep. I know at one point, and I don't know if it was this set, but it may have been. It was more the Star Wars set, uh, Star Wars pocket model game that I worked on, like at the, in my last days there. Um, they decided to go with the larger styrene, like the like the big ship styrene that we did, a little bit bigger. Um, uh like almost like uh like a two by two card size i think because they can get a bunch more done on one print and they didn't have they didn't have the mandate that had to be playable out of a pack um and so uh there was a lot of talk about other stuff we can do with that size and i remember that discussions is like i said because that was discussions on the star wars stuff and so my guess is, is that that was going to be, that was going to be, may have been rolled into every set after that, but I don't recall at the end of Rise of Fiends if I had done it. Like, I don't remember if I was even, st- I have complete sets of Rise of Fiends, which leads me to believe I was there when it came out, yeah. but it may have been they just give, get, gifted those to me because I did the work on it, but I don't, yeah. I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. I, I, I actually don't have an answer to that at all. Um. Like I know Kelly did Fire and Steel because that's the one I actually they actually had me do some writing and review, like almost like a a pass on. Yeah. Uh, she did. Uh, she hired me to do that, uh, and I was not there. 
But yeah, Rise of Fiends, I don't recall why anything would have been removed from it other than from a marketing standpoint. Like yeah. the, they just didn't know where to, to, to do with it. Yeah, no worries. Uh, another question, a couple more questions from towards the end of your time there. Uh, what Do you no, know what inspired no. the flotillas, the switchblades, scorpions, and other similar pokey ships as the community knows? Yes, them? yes. Uh, so in the two, I think the, uh, the scorpion's the one that's got the like the axe that comes down and stabs yep. you and then holds you in place, yep. right? And is there one too? I assume the the is there one with the pincer uh ones? Did that come in fire yeah, and steel? Yeah, there's a switchblade. That one's from fire and steel. Um, yeah. So both of those come. You can thank uh you can thank your Greeks for both of those, okay. uh, because that's where I started to do research into not to into ships that were like. I don't want to say prophesized, but like concepted and and found in like like Da Vinci documents yes. and and Greek Greek art and stuff like that because they were real enough to get to a certain point, but not they never were actually made. They were just yeah. literally concepted by people who lived on on or near the water and what they can do to screw other humans up because that's what humans do best. And so that's where those concepts came from. I couldn't believe that we can get the scorpion to work yeah. because I, I just, again, it was a, a thing where Ethan's doing, uh, you know, uh, uh, styrene modeling. And I'm just like, can you get this to work? And the fact that was the one that I remember when it came in, I was like, this is the coolest day of my life. I could never believe that we would have been able to pull something like this off. Something that's got a little moving part. That when, And when people played with that ship, dude, in the playtesting, and just the fact that when you got close enough and you'd slam that, you know, you snap that, <laughs> that well, it doesn't snap, it just slides over. Yeah, but just the fact that you think it snaps and you go, crash! People just went ballistic and stuff like that. <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff, just so you understand, that's the kind of stuff that when you're trying to create the IP, that would be the default type things that you're looking for. Stuff that doesn't exist someplace that you can say, hey, we made the Scorpion ship in our game. And now when we go and try to sell this to Disney or Eisner or somebody else, we have this really cool, like, over-the-top ship. It's got sailing ships in it, but it's also got these cool, wacky, weird ships. That's where the different uh, sea monster ideas came from. It's where the, you know, the giant crab uh, came from. It was, like, where the... Um, uh the the blade the switchblade came from that's that one i never actually saw i was not there to see that oh no it's in, it's in uh oh that's in fire and steel as well yeah, yeah. so yeah i the, the the that one also i think i saw uh before i uh before i left yeah. no no fire and steel i didn't see i think uh but we had i had worked on the like some of the early concepting for it. I don't think I ever saw it in, in, in done by Ethan, but it was another one. I think when we were doing Rise of Fiends and Fire and Steel, we were trying to figure out which one we can get to work first. And the and we got Rise of the Fiends or the Scorpion to work first. Nice. Nice. Do you know if you still have that Da Vinci drawing? Because I was trying to find something online a few months ago uh, of the Scorpion, see. I think, and I couldn't. Uh, I don't know I if it's Da Vinci it. or if it's just some Greek. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was I did I thought I did see a Leonardo da Vinci sketch from some years ago I saw something online, but I couldn't I couldn't refind it. Um, but anyway, uh, for the flotillas, was that kind of like a mobile fort type of idea? Um, I mean, that's kind of like what how they function in a way. I just didn't know if you had some other or like a gun barge type concept, maybe. 
Um, let's see. Funny, I didn't know that spike is now a term for a a a, uh, a launchable missile. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> uh, the flotillas. Uh, I I don't remember where why that was something we thought was pretty cool with the. Um, mm-hmm. I remember them in concept. Yeah, and I think this came from uh. I think just this came from some way to do uh, like those kind of. I think this came from comic books, to be honest with you, just something that like a villain would have that would come out and just be, you know, guns in the water kind of thing. But I I don't I do remember talking to people about this and I remember may have actually come. Again, in one of those group thinks of stuff that we've not done, or maybe we've heard feedback on that, like uh, there needed to be something. I don't remember why this exists. Here's the crazy thing: I look at this and I see a video game, and I don't rem. I and I don't remember why. Yeah, that's fine. No worries. Um, The next one. Um, might get a little into a legal gray area, but I was curious about the settlement with Wizards of the Coast um, when they came out with that patent and it got approved in 2007. Um, it talks about how there was a licensing agreement um, where WizKids could continue to make the game. And I, it's curious because the patent talks about movable parts of like a game piece. And I noticed that um, Rise of the Fiends came out in 2008 after the settlement was reached, I didn't know if that um, that patent filing was part of the reason that ships with movable parts were not implemented earlier in the game, or or if it was just kind of random chance that it happened with that timing. Because um, once Rise of the Fiends came out, uh, the licensing agreement evidently must have been in place. So then WizKids, theoretically, you could make the ships with movable parts as long as obviously Wizards of the Coast got, I don't know if it was a royalty or some kind of licensing fee or whatever it was, but I was just curious about the timing of that, if it was just random or if it did partly happen because of that settlement. Uh, All right. Just so everybody who listens understands where I'm coming from and what I understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was deposed twice, uh, once by our lawyers and once by Wizards of the Coast lawyers. And in both times, uh, our my lawyer told me I don't understand why they're doing this because the answers that you gave are not the answers that were put in the lawsuit, and their lawyer said, "Why are you here?" <laughs> hmm. So I don't have an answer on what thing happened after I was involved after any of that. I had never heard of a settlement. I assumed that it just went away, or we paid it off, or pe- the parties agreed to to do something. So I have no information on the legal anything of anything. The bottom line is based on their that description of what a movable game is, technically removing the masts would be movable. And yeah. so that was since day one. True. The biggest True. thing was is that they're they're my understanding and again lawyers are great at doing things and convincing their part their parties to either adapt, change or modify. Uh, parts of a lawsuit to meet the uh, goal of winning. 
the lawsuit or at least making money off whatever lawsuit it is, not disparaging lawyers. It's just that's their job. And my understanding was that I did nothing to acquiesce or uh, or make any game design decision based on any legal document out there. Nice. If decisions were made later, that's a whole different thing. I came up with the idea of the scorpion because, again, I had seen this in the uh, in in a uh, some ancient pictures of, yeah. of ships nice. that had uh, had different stuff. Mm-hmm. I did not think we can even make it physically, so it was not like something that we've been holding on to until it came done. It was literally a uh, a uh, again to try to create our IP, uh, a way to do ships that are fantastical, if you will, and therefore fit this new kind of IP fantasy direction that we were going in, but had a you know kind of a gut feel of reality. Because, again, that was the other part of the IP we were going for. So I got to tell you, I don't like speaking about that because I don't know it. I have a personal opinions on it. My end of WizKids was not great. Um, and so, therefore, there's a lot of, uh, like, emotion clouded in that. Yeah. But no yeah. one told me I couldn't do anything ever. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you to know. And nice. no one told nice. me certain things were banned. Yeah. So the bottom line was when it came time to find ships that were not historically accurate of a of a um uh of a of a period or a a, a tribe if you will yeah. um yeah. we we I just started looking at like cool ass fantastic ships from history yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's where I got it and I'm trying to find it now because there was this this like black and white drawing of a bunch of of ships and I can't I'm I'm doing it now but I'm not uh the internet is very different um uh yeah and the fact that the Greeks the Greeks acquired spike um <laughs> uh missiles is killing my search engine right now because right now all I'm getting is uh NATO and spike missiles all over the place so that's yeah. not helping my yeah. search uh but uh, I've talked to you about uh, where I was mentally and 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 with that that situation offline and and I don't want to bring it up and start talking because there's going to be people who know way more. There's yeah. going to be people who know secret information that they're assuming was public information, but nobody told me. But the bottom line is, no one ever stopped me from doing anything. I never stopped giving 100% to this. I have no idea that there was any lawsuit settlement or anything like that. Nice. I, the first I heard of that was when you told me. Yeah. So well, and you you heard my reaction when you told yeah. me. I yeah. don't know because I just assumed when I left it was kind of just a thing that just happened. I mean, I I left for to work at another company that uh, I I was I was burnt out at WizKids. I was not happy there, and um, you know I you know was not being heard, and and that's just all on me and and the people that I was working with. To be honest with you, I had no idea why the game ended. No one told me that part. Uh, I had no idea why, in theory, if they are, they're bringing it back. I do know why, because no games die. Um, and it's a good game, and it's a solid game, and I and it's fun. Um, so on all that, uh, fans, if they are bringing it back, uh, thumbs up, have fun, go out there and, and buy it and play it, and always remember that I won't get any royalties from it, but I will appreciate you always bringing my name up. That would be cool. Um, but uh, the, the bottom line is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that was, but to answer your core question, 
no, nothing ever said now I can do moving parts. I mean, yeah. technically, removing yeah. a mask was considered a moving part. True. Based on that. Yeah. I want to. I actually want to know one question from the fans. So I'd be really great, Ben, if you can figure this out. Do they put their flags on the top of their ship facing forward as if they're moving, or facing back if if the wind is blowing? Yep. Yep. I mean, that's I my forward. that's my question. Yeah. Yeah. People definitely <laughs> do it. Yeah, that can be your question of the day for the podcast. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I definitely do mine forward. I used to do them backward back in the day but then i was like i mean the ship's gotta be going forward so we want the wind you want the wind at your back right. so yep <laughs> um so i just next- i just I, whenever somebody does it <laughs> I, this is so funny i didn't do it when we were playing i was yeah. going to but I, we had so much else going on i didn't want to do it um because we had other people who may not have been in on it but every time somebody plays and they put their thing on i go you put it on wrong yeah and so no matter what way they put it on i tell them they put it on wrong yeah yeah <laughs> Some people still, people get, you know, people get kind of aggravated about it sometimes. They're like, no, like, it could still be blowing that way. It's like, kind of, but like, the default would still be forward. So, unless you want your ship to go in the wrong direction or get becalmed. So, anyway, um, next question you mostly already answered about playtesting. The last one still uh, is kind of interesting. Did any community-centric playtesting initiatives occur where feedback was solicited from the broader player base? I know it was mostly more private, but I was just curious if there was more of a public outreach at some point with playtesting. Uh, there never was. We never got to that point. Um, we, again, uh, WizKids had, Wiz had some issues with that, but we had not done like me going to like let's say gen con and saying i have the new set here i'm just going to take people's opinions all day you know we never got to that point one just so people understand also the cadence of things gen con was always a release date so no matter what we did we always had to have a new product at gen con so i didn't have a product to test at gen con every year so from a big place where all the community would be they were getting the newest product and i did not have the next product lined up to do that's number one um number two we never really did that we try to do it the weird thing about play testing um is that i when you play test for me i like to talk to you not because i um like you know gives you the big thumbs the greek thumbs or the roman thumbs up thumbs down and then you know your head gets cut off no it's more that i want to i want to understand i want you to understand the game i'm designing and then i want you i want to be able to understand the way you play a game and i say that basically now that you guys now that everybody's going to hear like the big three mandates for me if you come in and say you you need to make this 12 you know mass shift at 40 you know that's uh, 85 points or something like that i'm like i i that's not helpful you're not play testing now now you're just making stuff up because i need you to test the thing i'm showing you because it's already addressed issue one two three and four and five that the company wants to achieve and then from a design standpoint i have one two three four i have these new ships ideas these new things do these work are they good? Are they fun? You know, the schooner idea, you know, does this work? Is this cool? Is this fun? I need those kind of answers. So I need you to know where I'm coming from. And then I need to know where you're going to do stuff. So the, 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 uh, um, 
And so when you do the big mass test, what you end up getting is basically like um, uh, a friend of mine calls it the, the scale of one to 10. I can't really understand where you're coming from because I don't know you. But if you say this game is a 10, then I'm going to go, okay, well, I don't know who this guy is, but they really like the game. If you say it's one, I'm going to go, I don't know who this person is, but they really don't like this game. But I don't know the whys. I don't know all the whys. I don't know what is wrong. Maybe you don't like the game because you hate playing a boardless game. Maybe you don't like measuring. You know, those are things I can't change at this point. You know, the game's seven in or six in or whatever it is. Maybe at the very beginning, we could have done more of a market test on that, just which we did. We actually, I was doing baseball at the same time. So we were doing a lot of market research with baseball and I would bring pirates along for people to play and then got the fact that people really love pirates and they, and they were all white ships and we were just doing movement and, and treasure gathering. And I think I had, had written in like a, a marker, the, the, the ship's attacks, you know? And so we got sense of the play and that it was meeting those initial criteria that Jordan had set down. But after that, like long term, like we were not at that place. Really, that would have been almost the next step. Not so much giant mass testing, but a wider test, because now we're talking about we need to test not just the game, but does this fit in a, do you know this world? Do you understand what's happening in this world? Because that's what an IP is. IP is really yeah. just the world. Yeah. And so maybe we would have moved in that direction, but um. That's a bigger step than even WizKids was prepared to do on any game. I mean, we never did that for the Clicks games. And and now I don't I have no idea how they test any of this stuff at WizKids now. But even at Ravensburg or where I'm at now, that's a tough thing. One, in my case, I deal with IP, so I can't do that type of testing at all. Yeah. But my partner Shannon, she does a lot of testing with um like uh because she does a lot she's our kid game expert so she does a lot of that kind of testing where it's like okay i'm gonna bring six ideas to you just let's play them with kids you know and as she says there's really just a really hardcore dynamic of do they cry do they laugh do they walk out of the room bored because that's really the <laughs> you know that's what she's looking for so again that's that scale that's in in her case it's just a one two three scale but um uh you know, it, and that's all she's getting from that. She's not getting deep game mechanics. She's not getting immersion. She's not getting all that stuff. And that's tends to happen. The bigger the the bigger their playtest crowd is, the less you get the specifics of the things you're looking for. Hmm. But if you're a dedicated crowd, so let's say I was doing a new Pirates of the Caribbean or a Pirates collectible model game, then I talk to you guys, your group, the the people that are playing it now. They yeah. say, where does this fit on the scale? Then it's a very different set of of testers a very different set of questions to be honest rather than just playing the game you know what abilities are lacking what do we need to do where do we need to go from here all that kind of stuff that's a it's play testing is not like one people to go play testing and they just think it's this big thing and it's very different than computer games it board games have a i'm sitting in your living room on your kitchen table with you and your family or your best friends and you're i'm expecting you to dedicate x hours to my event or my uh my product that you just opened up i better make sure that story pops out of the box that that you're immersed in the gameplay and that it's going to be everything from your you know uh new brand new girlfriend to grandma in some cases you know i have to be able to be able to do all that kind of stuff so play testing takes on a whole different set of priorities there 
doing Disney playtesting, whole different set of priorities. Yeah. <laughs> but we never got that. We never honed that distinction down at WizKids. That's one of the things that I've I've actually learned well, well since well past that is that it's not just showing, you know, Ben, here's my spreadsheet. Tell me what you think the numbers look like. You know, there's a whole other part of playtesting that I was literally ignorant of until I, you know, uh, I guess you can, in fact, teach old dogs new tricks because I learned it much later than in the pro than in the early processes. So, hmm. no, to answer your question, we never got there. Would yeah. we have liked to? Now, I would love to use the stuff I now know back then because I think my games would have even been better and tighter and, and more more interesting. But, you know, that's part of growing and learning. And WizKids learned as well. I mean, they went and created a whole board game division, which uses a whole different type of play get testing. I don't have any idea how they would test this or design this or anything. So I'm not speaking for them now. But when I was at WizKids, we did not do this. It was not even in our radar. It was not a, a thing that we looked at. Yeah, cool. Um, then next one is similar uh, topic. Did playtesting volume vary across the different sets that were released? Uh, it got better and bigger. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. Uh, uh, I mean, the 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 bottom line is that uh, uh, you know, I, again, like many many things, um, the uh, sorry, uh, like many things, you don't start off knowing what you uh, don't have until you need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when, uh, like, when I was doing Hero Clicks, we had a handful of people we sent all the spreadsheets out to, so that they can play because that's that game was numbers and dials. So you could take a quarter and put it on the table as long as you had your Excel spreadsheet on, and then you did the you know you did the movement. You can move people, and then you can say, okay, here's where I am on the dial on your spreadsheet, and then you could you can play test that way. Pirates, I assumed, would use the same model. And I sent the first ones out, and people are like, how do I even do this? This is after, this is probably part of Spanish Maine, you know? That's yeah. when I started to go, okay, we need to have these little white ships. I need to write these things on them. I need to send. It became a game that needed a physical testing element as well as a, a physical testing that we had to provide. Mm -hmm. We couldn't just tell somebody, use a quarter, put it on your grid base, and then do things. We needed a little bit more. There was more movement in the game. It was more nuanced movement in the game. It also had a, you know, it wasn't a you're three squares away, I can hit you. It was how far are you based on the size of a credit card, you know? And yeah. so, you know, we, we ended up having to do a lot of stuff like that until product came out. Once people had product, your testing can go much higher because yeah. you have a ship. You have a useless two-masted ship that you have 30 of or, X, you know, 30s way too many but you have 10 of that you don't mind putting a piece of tape on to say okay this ship now does this this and he's got a new piece of tape over the ability that says he can do this so all of a sudden now your 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 testing is not just random people looking at a spreadsheet we had an internal office testing constantly that would have been people from all the divisions so marketing and game design i had a a, a, a partner at at um uh, besides uh, Kelly, who was, our, I think, our playtesting lead, and Tony and in brand management, and then you know Jordan would pop in all the time and and, and stuff like that. But I also nice. had a uh, the head of uh, um, basically my partner besides Seth was a guy named um, Matt Robinson, and he was really yep. he had a really good sense of um, 
play balance. He was a, a real, like, like you could tell right away, this isn't working right, you know? No. And so he, he would play stuff for me as well. And, you know, we all played and I played more testing than I did like regular games. And then we would send it out to the people who were remote. You know, I had a handful of people, unfortunately, I can't remember their names. And I just tried to look them up and we did not credit play testing, which bothers me a lot. That was kids because I try to credit everybody that I can. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, but as the games went on, then all of a sudden, I, I, one, I'm busier and busier, so I'm doing less of the hands-on testing. I'm getting feedback. I'm getting reports. Okay. As other other people are doing stuff, I'm not seeing it. And then as the remote world became easier to navigate, I'm finding more, and you know, I was finding more and more people at different things. I'd meet somebody at a show. I'd meet somebody online, and they would say, hey, Mike, you know, I, I'd love to – do this and then i would try to vet them as i could so they understood hey here are the rules and regulations don't tell me i need a 40 point ship because i'm going to tell you no <laughs> you know um but i need you to look at this stuff you know they were not front end testers meaning they weren't testing ideology or concept they were they were mechanics testers what i call the the the, the uh, mechanics yeah. testing path they were looking at mechanics they were telling me that's where i would see like a lot of stuff like this ship already exists in the game are you sure you want two of them and i'm like oh does it is what faction and then oh it exists for pirates okay well i'll take a pirate ship and make it a british ship and i'll take a british ship and i'll just change the flag maybe change the point value does this work in that setup maybe not maybe i need to change the ability maybe i need to remake the whole piece so it was much more of a uh, they were much more on the mechanic end, if you will, than on the look and feel and fun end of things, if you will, I guess. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense. But yeah, as the game went out, more, more, uh, more and more uh, ships uh, were part of that. So okay, interesting. Do you know if the Pirates of the Caribbean set got play tested, play tested less by any chance? I mean, this is not a bash or anything. There, we the community over time um has noticed there's like some overpowered game pieces in that set that it might be something that was discovered like post 2010 though so um my guess would be um probably because well you would sign an nda with whiz kids at any time because you're seeing secret pre-released information disney uh now that i work with them all the time has an even higher standard of stuff so we actually mm-hmm. even if you signed an nda with the company i need you to sign an nda uh like if you sign a regular Ravensburger nda i need a second nda to and i have to contract you to play test for me i can't just give you stuff because disney needs to have all the legal elements signed so mm-hmm. i can't just say hey play test this for me and here's an nda if if there's exchange of information after seeing something, in a lot of cases, I have to put you under contract as well. That's Disney, and it's a whole different ball of wax than I'm used to. It probably was not the case back then, or at least we never asked. Okay. And it may have been, too. The other weird thing about that set is that if you were talking that it was a one-year thing, that set was not one year. It was much faster. One, yeah. because we are still chasing the movie. I think we wanted it to be in the Disney store at the end of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride when they updated everything to Jack Sparrow. Wow. Um, And so we had other dates than were our normal dates. And we probably only had a contract for a period of time. Like, they're not evergreen contracts. So, like, you can't just 
make more Pirates of the Caribbean game now. You would have to sign an old contract. So it also had to do with what is the maximum amount of time we can get it on the shelf for the maximum amount of time that the contract exists for. Okay. So let's say it's a two-year contract. Well, that means if I take a year to do it, it's only on the shelf for a year, and it's a year in which Pirates of the Caribbean keeps selling further and further into the distance. So it may have been we wanted 18 months on the shelf. So now all of a sudden my my twelve month con my twelve month design time is now only six or eight or something like that. Wow. So there could be stuff like that that's in there. I don't recall. Um, it, it, there is also there is also a a period of time too where I had to. I also thought the game was this is kind of a weird thought process. It almost felt to me like it was a separate game. You know, I was making it. It was Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. using all the Pirate Caribbean rules. But there was also a part of my brain looking back at it that probably said, oh, no one will combine these with their other characters because why would you, you know? You know, you're buying the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff to play with the Pirates of the Caribbean, good guys versus bad guys. I didn't think anybody would want to play, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean ships against the Norse, you know, <laughs> or, the, yeah. you know or against the Vikings or against the Jade you know, thing. But now that I think about it afterwards, I'm like, that was probably stupid of me. You know, I probably should have made sure it was balanced fully against every other set and may, may not have. Again, it could have been time. It could have been thought process. It could have just been stuff going on. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, that multitude of answers really does explain it. And I think Wolf Hat did mention that that set was, I don't know if rushed is the word, but it was, it was timed differently where they had to put it out. Um, and therefore, there may have been less play testing in that set uh especially like interset because what you said about some people do prefer to kind of exclude it from the way they play um like not use the caribbean set with the other stuff uh i think it's fine i think it's a really cool combination because uh a lot of the characters are kind of inspired by the movies like jack hawkins and whatnot but um but yeah i think there was less play testing or at least less play testing integrated with the existing sets so it kind of might work better on its own but then um once you integrate all the sets some really crazy combos become evident so cool um and then the next one kind of going back to what we talked about earlier where their different factions had like kind of discounts or whatever i'm thinking this is kind of just me thinking out loud and you can correct me i'm wondering if like maybe the english got a discount on canon accuracy and then maybe the Spanish, to me, seems like they would get a discount on cargo, if anything. They had a lot of high cargo ships early on. And then the pirates just seemed kind of cheaper than the other factions. And then the French, I'm not really sure what discount they may have gotten. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of things you can play with. You know, there was only really only four or mechanics. That may be correct. I don't recall. Like when I was saying it aloud, I'm like, I don't know if this is right. I know that the British had a, a the 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 um I know the British had the uh the guns. I remember that. I do I could I don't know if this the 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 Spanish had uh cargo uh, cheapness. I like I said I had an issue with that. So it may maybe they didn't. I thought they didn't do that. It could have been the French did. Mm -hmm. um i i don't recall the 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 um um i actually don't recall the discounts i do remember that the pirate ships were cheaper because in my thought process the, all the pirate ships were used <laughs> by yeah. definition and yeah. so therefore they were getting 
their 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 ship's keeper, but they weren't necessarily as good as the the British in this way or the Spanish in another way. Could also have been the Spanish. One of them has a much faster ships, and I don't remember what faction that was. Yeah. And I think that that was the big. Now that I think about it, I think that was the big Dutch thing was they had fastest ships, best cargo, and they had all these cargo bonuses, and it just played the the game was a different game. So yeah. that was the big reason. Why, why that was removed, and I think maybe some of it got rebalanced into the Spanish, and some may have been rebalanced into the French, I don't recall. Like I said, the the second set was really like a 1.5 set. We had all those playing pieces. We may have had five factions for initially designed, okay. and we may I know we had the forts were initially designed. Yep, so it was sense. just a matter of, of, of figuring out how that would fit into the, to the next thing. Um, and again, early on, we said every set, you know, needs to have something new to it. And so, like, uh, uh, you know, French and Forts and then American. And and uh, I think there's a new ship in the American set that I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, that that was that's that's it. I don't think that yep. there was any. Um... Awesome. Uh, were the Dutch ever discussed to be brought into the game after they got scrapped from that Spanish main uh Draft. No, okay. no. Um, the, the here's the funny thing about the Dutch. This is really funny. Is that if you ask somebody who was a big sailing powerhouse, no one says the Dutch, and so therefore, I mean, you may because you know your sailing history, and there may be some historians who know the whole yeah. tulip thing. But the bottom line is, they were the, from a, a standpoint of who people knew. They knew the English, the pirates, the Spanish. Um, the French more so because of the, the, the French versus the English and the letters of Mark. And then, you know, the Americans as the ones that hired pirates to fight the French and the English at various wars. Yeah. So when it's all said and done that period of time, yes, the Dutch were super important, but they were not a faction that was one that we felt people would one, be interested in playing and two, added anything different that we weren't covering with the big, if you will, big five. Yep. That's what and when, when in reality, really the big three, if you include pirates, Spanish and English the, and the French and the Americans as, as add-ons. Adding the Dutch versus, let's say, the Americans, or adding the Dutch later after the Americans, just didn't feel like we were adding anything new to the game. Yep. It, there was no real reason for it from a standpoint of like that kind of pirate world building that we were doing. They were just yet another European. I mean, the cool thing about the French and the English and the Spanish is basically they fought wars since they basically became countries. So everybody knows something about their history together. But if you throw the Dutch in, no one's going to go, oh, yeah, that's right. Didn't they? What did they do? It's tulips. You know, they're not going to see them as what they did. And and especially we thought, to be honest with you, I thought about it a little bit if we would have needed to do another historical setup, like if we needed to do India, per se. And because I know the Dutch did a lot of stuff in, in, in that or maybe even some of the South Pacific Islands. But once we got the Corsairs and then the the, the Jade Pirates in, um, that those factions, the Dutch really just they're 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 not a, a power. You know, they were not really anything. So, OK, yeah, yeah, that's good to know. Um, next one is another faction question. This one from Captain Zone, uh, one of the members of the community. He's wondering why the curse were designed to be so much weaker than the other factions, and was it the fear of their gimmicky abilities being too strong? Uh, I don't have an answer to that one because I don't remember them being weaker. I'm being told that in a question. Um, 
after you know whatever 15 years of gameplay yeah. <laughs> so i at the time i think the big thing that again we were trying to create this faction that was going to be the ip holder you know if you will there at least the ip thing that we can put a a, a a feather in and the bottom line was in doing so we i may have i may have undercosted their abilities Yeah, sometimes they're. Um, my guess would have been if, if my guess would have been this have been um, it maybe wasn't rectified at the time only because we didn't see it, you know, um, as a, a in a long term thing. Again, they were a created faction um, that doesn't exist. So we, I had no balance. I didn't know what their strengths or weaknesses were, and it sounds like what I ended up doing was making a decision that said. Uh, these guys are really wacky, uh, and so therefore we need to make sure that they're not over. They're so wacky they ruin the core balance of the game. And I may have underpowered them, or undervalued them, or overvalued them. It may, it's probably less than they're underpowered than they're overvalued. Yes. If you're looking at yes, definitely, and I think that that's probably where I made I may have made a mistake in just saying these guys are so wacky they're out of the range of where we normally place abilities. And so I'm going to make them a little bit higher on that scale. And then when it was all said and done, those abilities weren't as wacky as as they ended up being in gameplay. But you know that's a that's a uh, uh, you know that's a learned lesson that you know maybe over time we would have we would have balanced that a little bit better. You know, and over you know, and some of their early ships may, may have been too powerful, or maybe we would have done something that said. You know, when you're playing the cursed, you get, you know, five, you know, 10 more points than everybody else just to make up for that, you know, to try to fix it. I don't know. I, I'm just throwing ideas against the thing. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, no worries. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, next one is another faction question. Do you know if the mercenary faction flag was based on anything historical? Uh, Try to get you a I'm going to say yeah. I don't recall. My guess is that, I, that our team created it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what it looks like that that white yeah, the yeah. white flag. Um, yeah, it's like the gray. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know if uh, it it was a um, uh, if it was something that they made up. Uh, I think again, probably just trying to figure out a, a color that's going to stand out on the board. Yeah. I mean, there's like weird stuff that's that goes point. into approach like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point because there's not much gray in the other. A lot there's a lot of like white, red, blue, and a lot of the other flags. That actually yeah, a lot sense. of a lot of bright, bright, sharp colors. Yeah, um, not as much pastel or neutral. Yeah, interesting. Makes me wonder if Seth Johnson or Jason Michael had a some role in it, but you can always ask them. They would not have had it. They would not have had an art role in that. No, okay. neither yeah. one of those guys. They would. Um, Jason, I think probably by this time may not have been with the company anymore. Seth obviously was on HeroClick, so mm -hmm. he wouldn't really had much say in, in any of that. That would have been definitely Shane's team, yeah. um, uh, and, uh, and whoever they hired to do the art for that. Um, so nice. Yeah, I know we talked about the next one at our game, but do you have a crew character in the game? <laughs> I do. I was looking for him, but I couldn't find him. Um, yeah, I mean, Marcus, right? Marcus Miguel Antonio. Oh uh, yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Awesome. I was trying to see if I had a picture of him. 
uh, or uh, the card of him. I mean, I do. It's probably down. I have all my cards in binders. And so when I, you know, bring them upstairs, it's like, you know, oh, my God, this is the heaviest thing ever. I have my Pirates of the Caribbean at work. Yeah, that's me. Yep. Nice. nice. Uh, there's nice. there's more names of people than there are pictures of people. Yeah. Uh, um, like because I, I needed names. And names are the hardest thing because you don't want them all to be like Bob Johnson, Steve Johnson, <laughs> John Johnson. You know, you don't want that. You want them to be of the period of time and everything like that. Uh, so, like, if I needed names, I know my daughters are in there. I think there's somebody named. Oh, really? uh, huh. Uh, yeah, I think we played her. She was in the set the other day when we were playing it. Um, really? It's just a combination of their names. Somebody, I think their last name is Lee, probably. Ruth Lee or Lee Ruth or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, there is a that's Ruth Lee from Revolution. Yeah, that's my that's my daughter's that's my daughter's middle names. Huh. Um and then uh, I, I have one of my my uncle died uh, while I was making this game, so I asked his uh, uh, his daughters if I could put him in. If there's somebody named, uh, uh, he's probably on the Spanish. Uh, for uh, his name is um, uh, Dominic Frida. Oh yes, a, absolutely. Yeah, that's my uncle. That's wow. my uncle who died while I was making the game. Wow. So I put him in uh most like i'll just look around and i'll go is I, there's probably kelly's in there there's i don't know if there's anybody named seth but there's probably somebody named johnson in there um the um, uh, shane is in there i know yeah, i don't know if there's anybody ethan in there is in there he, yeah ethan, and like a lot of times i would ask somebody i go hey can i use your name and they're like no don't use my name use my dad's name you know and so i would do that but yeah 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 there is an ethan the far seeker actually from the, yeah, that's probably the Ethan. North, yeah, the Frozen North set. So, and then I know Tiffany made it in, and uh, Shannon Door as well. So, yeah, yep. nice. Yeah, it's really fun to have that because then you could all. I mean, if there was like a WizKids powwow, you could all play as like you're the admiral of your fleet with that crew character, and have like a ten player game with everybody playing. That'd be wild. Um, do you have a favorite set overall? Uh, well, emotionally, I'd say the Pirates of the Caribbean set because it was sold in Disney and I got that was my first work with Disney. And that was like changed my life because now that's all I do is work with Disney. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that. But I would say I think the one that I'm actually kind of secretly proud of was really the, the concept of doing the... Um, Barbary Coast. Nice. Because again, that was something that no one expected. And I and, and it was histor historically rife. And it just had a lot of ability to do uh a different take, like I said, start to create a world of pirates. So when creating that, it just was like it, there was a lot of research I did. Because again, if you look at sailing pirates from whatever, you're always gonna get the the Caribbean, the Spanish main, and then you'll get every once in a while, there'll be a pirate who went, wait a second, this is getting too crowded. Look at that giant coast of Africa and look at all that gold. So I'm going to head over there and, you know, raid ships along that coast. Meanwhile, the, you know, the Europeans, the Spanish and the French are like, hey, totally free land. We're just going to go up and down the aisles here. And then all of a sudden there's pirates. And the fact that there is native pirates, you know, from the from the the, the countries along uh, along there, it just was like kind of the 
eye-opening to how I look at games now, which is from that immersion, storytelling, new world approach, to the fact that I was still using history. You know, we're still following the Jordan mandate of like, you know, alternate history kind of feel. And it was it was true to history. It, I think it shocked people. It may not even have been the best-selling set. I have no idea. Um, but I just, to me, that was the one that kind of put it all into a different kind of perspective. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and it, and it gave me that, you know, that's the one that I did huge amounts of research to do. That's the one that taught me, you know, be right, not be, you know, quick and and throw stuff in there that's not true. And so the whole span of the, that that product was like it one it was opening up new rules and like I said when I did it I also pitched the the Chinese uh, or the 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 the, the Jade the Jade Rebellion and and th- it just segued into doing the research there and like that kind of combo those two sets I guess together is like where I discovered like how do you make a living world? How do you tell cool stories? How do you introduce people who don't know anything about this into the deep dive into your game in which you were basically, you know, feeding them, you know, every pirate trope under the sun. Now you have pirates who do not fit the trope, yep. you know? And so it was to me, those are the that, you know, the uh uh the um those sets together to me, um are really kind of like, you know, my, my, that just from a game design standpoint, where I ended up, where I grew from, I I look at those two sets as the, as the, as the, you know, my first foray into all the things that I now do, you know, now I preach, I guess. So. Yeah. I love that answer, man. That's really cool. And they are two of the best sets that were ever made for the game. So. Oh, that's, that's cool. Amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I mean, yeah. those were, those are, those are, they were in fact, internally, like I said, I have to sell things internally first. Yeah. And they, they were hard, hard things to sell internally. Um, yeah. They're definitely pretty special, man. And uh, South China Seas is like, definitely, I mean, I think it might help a little bit, but it's pretty scarce. So it's expensive, but a lot of people have a kind of a romantic view of South China Seas because it's a really balanced set and it's just got such a cool color palette. And such a unique like theme because a lot of the game took place in the Atlantic and kind of like the adjacent seas to the Atlantic, like Caribbean and then Mediterranean. But then you go kind of more exotic for a lot of Americans go over to the South China Sea and opens up a whole new whole new ocean, really. Because um, I was, I guess, yeah, that was kind of the first set that was based in the Pacific or adjacent to the Pacific. So yeah, um, really cool. Uh, I remember I remember getting my first pack of Barbary Coast, I think probably from Target back in 2005. And then I remember I was with my dad and sister. We went to like a little Caesars. And I remember opening it. I got two Barbary Corsair galleys. And I was like, damn, this game, like, ah, it's just great. <laughs> so, And they're both really good ships, too. I got Algiers and Griffin, which are both good. So amazing. Uh, do you have a, <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite faction? Or um... I don't know. I think I, in my mind, I, I kind of shift between where the sets were and where they're coming out. Like in the first set, obviously it was pirates. I really loved them. Um, and uh, the second set, I would probably still stay with pirates. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but as it went on, like I really like what I did with the American set because I really, the Americans, because I really 
like I said, I really love that period of time in American history, especially War of 1812, where, you know, the U.S. has no Navy and they basically recruit a bunch of pirates and pay them a bunch of money to fight on their side. And that just seemed like so fitting to this game, you know, and this mindset of, you know, um, uh, they were not the naval powerhouses, the other factions were, and then the pirates were like, you know, at the end, at the end of the age of sail, and they're just like, dude, we'll take your cash, we'll fight. And it just <laughs> felt, to me, that I just felt that that was a cool, like, you know, American pirate combo thing was was really cool to me. Um, and after that, I, I think I, I'm almost always going to side with the faction that was new. Um, and, you know, so overall, like when you asked me to play, my first thought was, I want to play the Jade, right? I think I said that to you, um, Jade Rebellion. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I have all the, you know, enough to blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'll go make my own. And I ended up making a Spanish fleet, yeah. you know, because yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, I, you know, I, I dig these. I, you know, and, and I start reading the story and I'm like, oh, that's right. That's right. These guys work with these guys, you know. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wimp out on this answer and just go, I don't, there are no factions i don't like <laughs> yeah. yeah that's totally fair that's totally maybe fair. i don't play the british as much as anybody else because yeah. mostly everybody yeah. picked a lot of people pick the british so i ended okay. up not playing the british but i've played everybody because when you are showing somebody the game they all want to play pirates so that's usually off limits to me so i play everybody else so yeah that's fair nice yeah i like that i like all the factions too it's just a kind of a flavor of the month for me the english are my favorite but then i usually have like a second or third favorite that changes by the season or the year and things like that so awesome do you have a favorite uh game piece like a specific crew or ship or unique treasure well you know what it's funny that you say that because i didn't i don't i mean i couldn't even remember half of them but i really liked the fiction that i wrote for tiffany <laughs> okay nice yeah <laughs> so she was pretty cool um I, I don't. I mean, I most likely would probably be closer to like the characters than the ships themselves, because the ships are the generic pieces of the game, if you will, even if they have cool personality. Um, I was trying to find there's a ship ability that uh, maybe we cut. Maybe I cut it when people got so mad about it. Um, I thought it was in the first set, but I can't find it right now that I ended up never using again because people hated it so much. Um but I can't find it. So, I mean, everything else I've seen be used again or I used again. So I, maybe that's not it. Um, uh, I like from a physical standpoint, like I said, the, the ones that we did towards the end, the ships that like were you really interestingly unique. Like I like the uh, catamarans that we did that you played when we played. I, I like those from a, just a gameplay, you know, just a game mechanic play model of, like the the catamaran side the 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 blade is a you know is a uh can be removed and yep. you know uh and before you lose everything i think that that was like a really cool way to add add a cool new ship with a cool new mechanic that gives them a a unique feel that was obviously something that i tried to do with all the ships but i thought that one really captured it really well yeah. um same thing with like the 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 scorpion and and um other stuff like that i just think that the, the those kind of later ships that used all the mechanics in the table and you knew in unique ways are my favorite from a very specific plane piece i don't um there was a um there was a female character that I was really proud of writing. I just don't remember who it is at this point, yeah. but 
when it's all said and done, I'm sorry. I made a lot of characters, and I am not as steeped as you are in it. I mean, the fact that you were just ripping off names like that a second ago was freaking me out. So yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I could barely remember people's names. So yeah, no, that's uh, fine. I, I'll feel like that someday if I have another hiatus or whatever. But yeah, I've been consistent with it for I guess 12 years now. So there hasn't been like a lapse in my fandom, I guess, since like 2010 or before. So. But yeah, for female characters, definitely there's like iconic ones like Calco Cat and Crimson Angel that reoccurred throughout the sets. I don't know if it's either of those, but uh, oh, Crimson Angel, that's her. I like. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah, she's she's got a bunch of versions for sure. So yeah, she's all over the place. Awesome. Uh, Do you have a favorite ship type, like a Five Master or the Catamaran or the Scorpion? the catamaran is like really cool that when i saw it played and i i was like man why did he pick those and i was watching you play it and i'm like yeah i really like that i also like that the 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 scooter swinging on its tail end i think that that's pretty cool i mean when it's all said and done the five there's nothing nothing in the game that is as cool as the five mastered big five mastered exactly there's i'm sorry you can you can love any other kind of ship maybe they're slow maybe they're ponderous i don't but the, they, they just there is not a bad looking one that is the other coolest thing that is a total shout out to shane and his team they are the coolest looking figures you can put on there i mean on my shelf right over there i have a five master in a in a in a in a, a, a small one like a rare pack kind yep. of thing and a, but and, and a and a, a sea monster tentacles yep. thing that's those are cool too but they're cool yeah. in a different way yeah but uh, yeah the, there's nothing cooler in the game than a five massive ship yeah. although that 10 masted jade uh jade uh uh faction ship yeah, is, uh, pretty, yeah yeah that's pretty cool too yeah yeah i agree about the five masters those are my favorites too um this one's kind of fun i think a little out of left field do you have a favorite terrain type like fog, fog bank whirlpool, yeah i like iceberg. i like when we were playing them the other day i like the the whirlpool mechanic um i like um it's funny because uh i i actually like the the um the shoals in the sargasso sea or not the shoals what's the one that uh reef? is that the one the reef. I like those from a gameplay mechanic because either you're forced to go around it or you 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 make the effort to go through it. And you know, depending on your ship. I like the ship specific terrains. Yeah. Um I also like the the uh, I don't know if you call them terrains. What is the one from in the Norse, the ice uh yeah, icebergs, the, um, yeah. I like the icebergs too because I like that kind of that I, I like I'm you know people complain all the time that they hate like randomization and there's some randomization that i actually like and i like the iceberg mechanic mm-hmm. um so uh that's pretty cool yeah nice i got kind of a random new question segue kind of relating back to what we talked about at the beginning with when you were talking with uh james Ernest about low rolls should be bad i noticed the whirlpool rolls have on a result of four through six you have to eliminate a master segment or treasure or crew. Um, I don't know if that was kind of a random thing that happened. Uh, they got, they came out in like the ocean's edge set, I think. Um, and whirlpools are basically bad on high rolls. I didn't know if, what, if there's any story there or something. Uh, no, yeah, I don't remember that. I don't okay. recall why that would have been the case. Yeah. No, um, I'm just trying to think of it. Uh, yeah, I know. 
It's probably yeah. a mistake on my part. Probably something that I didn't catch when it was when we were doing it. Yeah, no worries. Uh, do you have a favorite rule or game mechanic? I'll tell you, the genius of this game, in my opinion, from day one, is that the short and long movement using the using the edge of the card is like genius. Yeah. Uh, that I think was I think that was Seliker and and team, or maybe it wasn't. I don't recall. But the fa- again, the fact that everything is so compact and playable, I kind of wish that there was a way to snap the pieces back into the card uh, easily. That's a whole different ball of wax. But uh, yeah, that 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 is to me again the simplicity, the core simplicity of the game is so elegant. It's a very elegant game, and that the fact that I was able to take the elegant game and move it move it along and add add to it and, and play within its parameters uh is like you know uh we're still talking about it so it's really cool it's been mm-hmm. a very long chat you're gonna break this up into like five podcasts yeah. um <laughs> uh but uh yeah so from my standpoint i look at it to me that's the coolest thing i also really like the i i like i like the variety that crew gives a, a ship and so you can play a ship plane no crew and it has an ability and that's pretty fun and then you can play a, a ship with it, every time you add a different crew to it. It is almost as if you have an entirely different ship, and that is, I think, a really cool element of the game from a mechanic standpoint. Of you know, you have uh, uh, you know basically a plain piece of bread, and the mechanic puts some mayo or some peanut butter on it, whatever you prefer, and then you know the crew member now starts to add jelly or you know, a piece of ham, you know, it all of a sudden you're like, you started with something plain. And by the time you're done customizing it, it is this new thing that maybe I've never seen before. You know, you're using a character that does this. They're using a character that does that. Wow. That is pretty cool. That's a cool combination of things with this ship and your other ships. And the fact that that is like constantly available every time you play the game um that is like you know game design game design nirvana you know from my point of view so yeah 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 it's a really fun fun aspect of it so and yeah you can transform ships that are normally not very good into like at least playable if not really good so yeah it's pretty fun the customizability is just off the charts like i can you could just you could play hundreds or thousands of games and never use the same fleet twice if you wanted. So, yeah, it's really it's really great. Uh, do you have any least favorite sets or game pieces from the game, or at least something that may not have played as well as you thought it would? Um, I think we talked about that with the schooners. I think we would have done something different if we would have seen what that overlap was going to do for mechanically. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. From a pure on game mechanic standpoint, um, no, uh, I I think I think we talked about like you know the end game treasure thing probably could have been cleaner. Um, you know even even in the early stages, um, there's really nothing that I look at and say kind of wish that that was different. Um, I I think you know um. I, I I we ended up doing the keyword thing. That's a, always a big game design fight. Uh, hmm. You know, 
um, from a game designer thing is because keywords by necessity mean you have to have another sheet on the on the table that tells you the rules. Yeah. Um, but we also had like, as you can tell, we had like literally, you know, a uh, hundred. I think I, it was in my spreadsheet. I, I had uh, the uh, the character count of of things so if i made a mechanic it had to be like i'm, I'm gonna say this because i seem to think in my mind it can't be like longer than 137 characters hmm. you know and people forget that space is a character so you would have to you know make sure that it, you know if it was you know there's this if it's a three-letter word it's technically four characters because there's the and some capital letters if it's an m or a w sometimes take up a, a character space and a half so he had a i had to play with that and so there may be some you know, so in the long run, keywords were the only way to make it make sense. But again, that adds a complexity to the game that, you know, for the game, what it is, is maybe you're not right. But at the same time, it maybe is. So, yeah, um, Interesting. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything that I tell you that I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want this. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't want this in it or anything like that. I'm trying to. God, I wish nice. I could find it for you. Um. But yeah, that was, I think... Uh, yeah, awesome. Did you have any ideas that never made it into the game? That you wanted ideas to see? Ideas that never made it into the game. I wanted to do... Um, there was a period of time where we were toying with the idea of like leaving crew behind on an island to do things. Hmm. Um, if you remember... Um, Separate from the marine ability, I guess. Yeah, the marine was the the marine was like a first salvo in that, and it didn't work real well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but that was the kind of concept of like something that you could have. The problem with it is, and this is basically goes all the way back to the beginning, you know, opening statements that I have, and that is, we created a game as a team that was. Uh, simple and elegant and its through line was logical and people played it and every time we came up with another thing and to try to extend that we found that in the big picture it just started to break the it didn't break it down it's just people didn't want to play forts are that way you know people just don't want to play forts they're 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 they get it they understand it it's logical to them but it takes a little bit away from the through line of the game. Marines did the same kind of thing. And I was keep, kept trying to say, like, I guess in the big picture, the thing that I would have tried to push the game towards, now I'm looking at it from a now standpoint as opposed to a then standpoint, just so you understand. I didn't think about this then at the time. But it would have been interesting to try to push it into kind of almost a legacy game thing where you're trying to create a... Uh, a kingdom or uh, you're, if you're working for one of the governments, you know, create a, you know, military, um, uh, ongoing military thing. So there may have been something where you, the forts are useful for long-term building security, and then you can build new ships during gameplay or in between sessions or something. <clears throat> Maybe that would have been a direction to go, and that would have been a direction that would have seriously supported IP development. But from a, but, you know, I never would have thought of it at the time. That's only something that I would have thought about it, you know, with years of time looking back and going, where could this have gone? So I don't really have a, a 
thing that I, I feel like, I mean, you could probably put forts and Marines into the things that I don't think worked very well. And then the other part is the kind of the thing that I think maybe should have, we should have been thinking about, but the forts and the Marines were kind of a first salvo in that direction. And like I said, just didn't, they just never, never captured anybody's, you know, zygotes. People wanted ships. They wanted to sail around. They didn't want to feel like they needed to be worried about what's going on in an island. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to hear about like the, the difference back then in like the player base versus now, because forts can be pretty strategically uh, advantageous to use in a variety of ways. Um, and I've used them to pretty good effect um, quite a number of times over the past few years. So it's interesting to hear. Maybe they weren't as well received when those sets, when Crimson Coast and Revolution came out, but um, long term, they're very. Um, yeah, viable. and that may be the case. Same thing with Marines. It could have been that it's very, that there's a very cool uh, uh, um, uh, you know, could be uh, uh, you know, that there's, there's I don't this. I don't think we should never have tried them. Don't, you know, so I don't want to make it sound like I we made a mistake and it was horrible. Uh, I just don't think that there was a that maybe they weren't given the right. Uh, um, they were, you know, that we could have found maybe over time could have found a better solution to that. Um, you yeah. know, or a different solution, or made them tweak them in a certain way, but it all seemed very logical at the time. So yeah, you know. yeah, that makes sense. Okay, nice. Yeah, I think this might be a decent stopping point for some of the questions we've gone over now. Even if we continue tonight, um, so I, we wrap up each podcast with a, a question of the day. So I'll ask one, and you can ask one. Um, so my question for the audience so far would be, what's your favorite like question and answer back and forth? so far from this this epic discussion um so you can ask a new one i know you talked about the the flags the pennant flags backwards or forwards but you can ask a new one as well if you'd like <laughs> <laughs> um my question would be like like um what in i i, I guess it's you kind of tipped it off with your like of forts was there something that somebody, when they first learned the game, didn't like, and now like a? Not, they don't have to love it, but they they like it or appreciate it. Um, because to be perfectly honest, uh, you know, the, I stopped working on the game, whatever it was, um, over ten years ago now, maybe twelve years ago. To to for me to find out that the game still lives at the level that it's living is like astonishing. I think I told you that Ben when we first met. Yeah. I, I can't believe it. I can't even understand it. And so I'm curious, just as a game designer, was there something I put into the game that you go, "This is like really cool." Like I didn't, maybe I didn't like it at the beginning, but now I've learned to like it a lot. And so at that point, then I, you know, that I would be like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool." I can maybe figure out why that was in the game at the beginning and why it's not like you, I just explained to you forts and you said, no, I use forts all the time. They're really cool. And I'm like, Oh, that's so funny because if you asked me, which you did, I would have said forts were a big disappointment, you know? Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that's kind of where I, I, I guess it's less of a question and more of a statement and more of a, Hey, everybody keep playing and having fun and, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I would say mine is definitely, I can think of a quick answer where some of the pokey ships, some of the ships with moving parts really have grown on me. And even the sea creatures too, because when they came out, I was kind of, even as a kid, I was kind of more into the historical Age of Sail stuff and whatnot. 
Um, so when some of that stuff came out, I was kind of like, didn't like the direction, but now as I've gotten older, I appreciate mostly for gameplay. I appreciate like the variety of ship types introduced and the switch blades um, are like really fun. They can be, get really crazy with all the boarding parties and some of the hoists from the last set and Savage Shores can get really, really great too and interesting. So that's one of the things that's, that's grown on me over the years. So awesome. Uh, th thanks again for coming on, Mike. This was amazing. Um, so no problem. No problem. We could do it again when more questions come up. Oh, yeah. Don't uh, hesitate. Now oh, that absolutely. we're uh, in contact, we can do this anytime. Maybe yep. not four and a half hours. Yeah. But we can do <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. All right. That concludes this part of the interview with the amazing Pirates game designer, Mike Mulvihill. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, whether that's a comment on YouTube, follow-up questions in the thread at Pirates with Ben, or commentary on Discord or Facebook. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. There are links in the description for this episode where you can find some of the links and resources I used, and there's also an affiliate link to buy Pirate CSG items on eBay. Consider using that link as a way to support all my efforts to keep the game alive and hopefully even revive it as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.